Welcome to everybody. Good morning. It is such a pleasure to see everybody. We're now up to the sixth episode of the Water and the Wire prayer. So we're essentially I'm, I'm uh, doing an opportunity, taking an opportunity to re-educate myself on all the different parts of Tefillah. And I'm glad that we're all trying to do this together. So um, today, it's just a, a special thank you to Michael and Karen Rosenblum who are sponsoring today's learning together. First of all, on the birth of their of their granddaughter, Abigail Rose. Um, who is, a, what a blessing, Aiton and Rebecca, um, this is their first, and this is a, a special rose also, as we, as we think about her great-grandmother, Zbani Sand, Bezrat Hashem should have continued Nachas and Shamayim from this, and you do, as you here on, on, um, in, this, in, in this world should have tremendous Nachas from this little gift. And as well, at the same time, we also commemorate the yard site this week, this Wednesday, of uh, Michael's mother, Mrs. Harriet Rosenblum, Hen, um, Henya Chemda Bas Shmuel, and Tabez Rosh Hashem, she should have, uh, have Lechadega Gan Eden, and Bodlechaim Tobim, your father, Shalav Gazunt, Mitz Hashem, for many, many years to come. Um, we also, uh, just also special mazel, I see Rosemary um, and Owen on, on Zoom, and Rosemary and Owen just celebrated a grand son's bar, uh, wedding this last week, Bez Rosh Hashem, she continued, continued smachos, Bez Rosh Hashem. Wonderful, wonderful news. Let's 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 jump straight into our, our learning to, uh, to today. So the focus today is uh, uh, one of the parts of davening which I really think gets shafted too often, and that is the birkas hashacha, the blessings of the morning. I find this a tremendously fascinating topic, um, and one should often overlook just because of the the necessities of time. Um, so let's 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 start at the very beginning. We say um, these brachas in the morning every morning. How many of these brachas are there? If anybody has, has been sitting there and counting. There's technically speaking 15 of them. There are 15 brachas which are said every, every, every morning. And we talk about the rooster and we talk about status in, in, in Israel. We talk about um, uh, our eyes and our clothes and our, all these, or, or this whole business. One after the next. Very beautiful train of, of descriptions over here. And then we ended off by a, a bracha, which is Hamavir Sheina, which is a longer bracha and has a, num, a few requests in there, please, about it being a good day. So a very beautiful array of brachas. Um, the question is, where do they come from? What do they mean? How, is, how do we deal with it? So first, a little bit of the what. So a few basic what's. So when is the earliest I can start saying them? This happens to be a little bit of a, a matter of debate, but according to many poskim, that this is something which is not necessarily um, light dependent. So therefore a person may be able to even say them before it becomes light. So a person as an example would wake up, let's say one schedule would be a David Amelech oh, schedule. Let's say a person would have a, a, um, a, uh, a schedule where one is at, um, you know, a David Amelech schedule. What's a David Amelech schedule? So if a person is, if a person is sleeping um, until Chatzos, until midnight, and then if a person is sleeping until midnight and then wakes up, then one would technically be able to say the Birkas HaShachar from there on, on, uh, onwards. It is not like most of the other things. So for instance, Kriyashma and Amida are bound by two different frameworks um, which are light dependent. One is Mishiyakir, the other one is, is Neitzachama. So that those are much later on. The Birkas HaShachar can be say, said even earlier on. So that's for one point. What happens if a person is coming late to Shul, which is an inevitable triage which uh, we, we have to sometimes deal with? So what does one do? So technically speaking, as we'll see, the brachas themselves are not necessarily fixed at the beginning of davening. In the same way that they can come earlier than daybreak, they're also not, so to speak, part of the nusach atfil in the same way as we have it, which means that if the, what is at stake 
is missing um, Tzvila Matzibah, which is davening at the same time the Shkon Esrei with the Tzibah, which is a very significant um, merit and responsibility, then in that case one would take those brachos, wait until afterwards and be able to say them after the davening as well. So one would omit, the, omit them at the beginning and there's no harm, no foul by saying them afterwards. We saw that Elokai Neshama, when we studied that a few weeks ago, would, in a certain sense, might be forfeit because of the second bracha of the Shemona Esrei of Amachai Mason, but the rest of the Birkas HaShachar are not affected by any other part of davening. One would be able to say them afterwards. So in the same way, one can say them much earlier. One can also say them much later as well. They're less attached to the davening process. We'll see that the Pesukah Dezimra will be, will be different to this. But when it comes to Birkas HaShachar, they're not as connected. How long do I have to say them? So generally speaking, it follows the same type of pattern as the Tefillah itself, which is um, best before four hours into the day, which is what we call Zman Tefillah, which is around in the tens, and, uh, and uh, but, yeah, but un un until Chatzos as well. Although it is interesting, sometimes you'll see that on Tishabav, as an example, one of those Birkas HaShachar actually ends up waiting till later, and that is... Uh, it's, uh, it is the Oitari Saba Sifara, which is the one related to Tefillin for men, because Tefillin are not placed in the morning, so some have the men like to wait till, till, till later for that. Interesting enough, because one does not have the Tefillin on in the morning. Okay, interesting uh, um, observation. And finally, who says them? This is actually an interesting debate. There are those, and I'm sure we've been in communities, where everybody says them together. You get into a community, and everybody's saying them in shul. Then other communities have it where one person is saying them, and everybody else is responding, Amen. Uh, generally speaking, the more we'll call predominant approach seems to be the one person leading. But we'll see uh, in a few moments, I want to take a look at why it is that there is this notion of this, cr this we'll call grassroots effort um, as to other people saying it. And then that also relates to the Baruch Hu Baruch Shemai, which is something which is, which, is, which is traditional, certainly in the German communities and others as well. Yes. Good, so let's, let's, let's start at the beginning. So, so Abi, let's start with your, your point. So let's see how far back we can trace them and the original practice, because what we do today is not the original practice. We have to question why that is, why it changed. So the original practice, and I, I always find this, this an incredibly emotional Gemara. It's, it's, such a, it's such a really a beautiful, beautiful Gemara, uh, the, which is found um, in the Gemara in Brachos Daf Samach Amabes on the six, uh, 60B. The, the Gemara over here is describing I wake up in the morning. So we looked at this Gemara beforehand when we looked at the bracha of Elokai Neshama because this is the immediately preceding paragraph. Now we, we start talking about the Birkas HaShachar. As we, as we look through this, let's just sort of put our, our, our latent awareness, like fix our, 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 our background awareness on what is missing and what is here. What is in the order, what is out of order as we read through this Gemara, because it, it's not going to be all 15. But here's what the Gemara says. The Gemara says, after you said Olakai Neshama, right, so that's, so to speak, at the beginning of the day, my soul's been returned to me. The next thing a person says, Ki shama kol tarnagola So the person will hear the cockerel, the, the rooster, and at that point in time should say, Vina. So it's sort of, you can sort of this organic experience of the day. Now it happens to be, our neighbors just bought two chickens. But I doubt that anybody else in the five towns has the issue of hearing the, the, the rooster. In fact, we don't even hear alarm clocks. So the question is, is so we have to think about what that, what that means. Right, but nonetheless, this is, this is the first thing is you can sort of imagine organically living in the more rural exp experience once, once, thanks Hashem for the, re the return of the neshama, and then one sort of hears the, the sounds, the morning, the, we, we're on light cycles, not, 
work cycles, it's a very different experience. Then the Gemara says, Ki ene, as you open your eyes, thank you for allowing me to see today. Now, just, so if that's the case, just you have to appreciate what this Gemara is saying, that means that everything happened beforehand. So think about the experience of the day right now. A person is on their bed. They, 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 they wake up. Now, it's very hard to wake up without opening one's eyes, right? But there are times. I, the other day, I have a, I have a four-year-old um, who, has, who has more trouble than, 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 than some of the others getting up in the morning. And so I came to, I came to get him out of bed, and he said, he, he, the first words were, I do not see you, right? <laughs> that was the starting of the day, right? So it is possible to wake up without opening one's eyes. Um, but if you think about this organic moment, start of the day. Hearing is before even seeing. That's what the Gemara is saying. And then sight. Hashem, thank you for facilitating the ability to be able to see. So a person now at this point in time, he sits up straight in bed, indicating that the previous brachas were even in a state at a posture of lie down. Baruch matir asurim. Hashem, you allow it everything to work. And for those of us who have thrown our backs out, those of us who had more serious issues, that's a really big deal. Right? When one doesn't have a good, a good night's sleep. Thank you, Hashem, for allowing my limbs to work again. Kilovish, when a person dresses themselves, pulls on some clothes. Hashem, you clothe those who are naked. When a person now stands up. Hashem, you, you allow us to stand up straight. As you place your feet on the ground. One can argue which direction this would be. You, you put firmament, you allowed me to, to walk on, on, the, on the earth itself. When a person will walk, thank you Hashem for preparing the steps of the man. When you put in your shoes, you say, Hashem, you, did, you gave me all my needs. When a person will put on their belt, you gird Israel with strength. The belt is an important part of Judaism. Because in halachically speaking, there has to be a break between one's, so to speak, one's lower body and one's heart, one's head. There has to be a separation, you know, chassidim in a, in a symbolic way put on a gartel. It's not, it's not technically necessary because we wear belts today, but it is symbolic of the same, of the same, the same idea. Kiporis sudre al when when a person will spread something over their head, cover their head, lema oiter yisrael b'sifaram, a person will crown, crown Israel with glory. So it's, just, it's such a powerful Gomorrah. It's sort of this organic experience of the day. It's broken down into minute by minute, experience by experience, reflections. It's a very, very powerful description of how the day should, could, would begin. Yeah, you read this literally, either heaven tells you that I'm at the bedside. Yes. Or they're saying all these breakfasts before it tells you that. Excellent, good. Or there's another possibility, Yossi. So what's another possibility? So we'll see in a second, perhaps, which, which is, explains the shift. Could, so, so, so Yossi and, and Moshe are pointing out, it must be the doing Negel Vas over here, but it could be. There's another possibility. I want to get into that in a second. Yes. And uh, Nathan. All the brachas are apropos for a new beginning of the day. Yep. But if we're not supposed to say Hashem's name in vain, why every day do we have to say, oh, today's world may be different, <laughs> that I'm not born a woman? <laughs> And that I'm not a guy. Why do I do those two brachas every day? Then? Okay, so it's it's interesting. I find it it's fascinating. Human beings are an incredibly fascinating um, entity to to study, and and that is that we are incredibly forgetful. Right? We, we we can be so incredibly grateful to people and to Hashem one day, and then completely forget it the next day. I mean, to us, every day we need reminders because we really do forget. We don't appreciate. And what I would say even more than that is, I'm sure we had experience where at one point in our life, suddenly a certain bracha, a certain statement, a certain pasuk in Tehillim means something to us. 
because our experiences yielded us the pain, the experience necessary to appreciate that suddenly, right? And in a certain sense, I feel like the brachos are there as well. First of all, to cultivate uh, and to, to bring about this emotion, but also they're also waiting for us to fall into them, right? So every day actually, we're given the opportunity of trying to reactivate those emotions again. But uh, so Nachman's making a good point, and that is that you'll notice what is missing from this list in the Gemara? What is missing? So we are missing the, sh- the three shalais. We're missing the three negative brachas. We'll get there in a second. What else is missing? There's another one that's missing. Giving strength to the, to the one who's, who's, who's tired. Maybe in those days people weren't as tired. I don't know. The work schedules weren't as heavy. But we'll have to, we have, we have to see where, where, the, where those disappeared and, 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 and where they came from then as well. So this, the, this, this group, this is the, I would call the majority of the Birka Sashachar are formulated in this Gemara over here. And it sounds like it's something which is, which is experienced in the morning, perhaps waiting for us to, to, to be reawoken to, these, to this. There, there are a lot of interesting things to think about. The language itself, Rav Soloveitchik points out on top of page 4 in a very beautiful idea. And I, 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 it's, it's a, why do we choose this language? Why these specific actions? He says a very beautiful thing. He's about these blessings, he says, echo the wording of Psalms 146. That's the, the, the Halalukas. That's the first of the Halalukas that we say in Pesukah de Zimra. Hashem Chivrim, right? That, uh, that is in, the, in that verse. The Lord sets the captives free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord raises those bowed down. To the extent possible, our sages have avoided using original phraseology in prayer. They generally greatly preferred the use of biblical idioms for what right does man have to address the king of kings with his limited vocabulary. So you'll notice that Chazal and Shekinesi Zagdola are formulating the davening. And so the only format text they have is what David Melech already, already said, or the other, other authors of Tehillim that David Melech incorporated have in the text. And so they're borrowing the, those, the, those, those terms, which is why the terms follow. So it's not just the sequence of wake up, it's also the sequence of the Pasuk as is found in Tehillim, which is being referenced over here. So just to appreciate that. Now, why is that so significant? So the first answer he's saying is, is that, who are we? Like, so what are we going to sit poetically on a philosopher's stone and try to, you know, suck out of our thumb? No, so we, we have formats. We know, we, we know what's already has worked. That's one possibility. The second paragraph, he says, there's another possibility. And that is the second reason these terms are employed is that they have a moral and ethical connotations. God heals the blind, frees the prisoners, lifts up the oppressed. Each utterance of praise is filled with an ethical motif, a moral principle that must also be realized by man himself. So therefore, not only are we in, in what we call gratitude mode in the morning, we're also in imperative mode. That means to say that we're saying, saying to ourselves, what should we look like? What kind of day should it be? What kind of life should we be leading? Well, let's see what God does. God already has shown us that He heals the sick, that He straightens the crooked. He allows the blind to see. And so then when we're making decisions and we hear about tragedies that are going on in the East and we say, does it really matter to us? Is it really our business? You know, the Ukrainians are really bad. Those kind of things and those thoughts go through our head. Then we read the Birkas Hashak and we say, well, no, no, God actually cares for those in distress. So maybe we should be a little more like that. Right? So there's, there's an imperative more than just a reflection of gratitude, which is being said over here. That that's a very powerful observation that the brachas are a two-way street in terms of the thought process. Okay, so this is something which is, uh, which is, uh, which is to be thought about, as Rasulajik points out. So this is just sort of these background. Yes, Moish. 
Um, it sounds like it. It sounds like it. it sounds like it's, it's part of the same package. It's it's hard to know because the Gemara the the, the the Gemara in Brachos does say that the Haim Tiknu. We know that they Kedusha Adalas Brachos and Tefillah, right? So Brachos is a very large, so to speak, umbrella. But I would assume that this is part of that. They're they're formalizing the experience of wake up essentially. So now the question is, is that this is not what we do. I don't know about anybody else. Maybe I don't know. What? You said in Shul. No, we did not say. That. You said at home. Okay, so, so, so Baruch Hashem, this Gemara is still in practice. Okay, this is done experientially. However, when it comes down to uh, Ashkenazi tradition, Ashkenazi tradition is in Shul, so what, why did that shift happen? So Shulchan Aruch addresses this. Already 500 years ago, this, uh, the, 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 this practice had shifted in certain communities. The Shulchan Aruch says in Source 3, uh, most of the halachas about Berkos HaShach are found in Simon Memvov, 46 in Arachayim. Where the Shulchan Aruch says in the second, uh, the second seif, Achshav mipnei she'ein hayadaim nekios v'gam mipnei amei haratzos she'enam yoyd im oisam nagu lesadrom beis hakneses v'oinim amein achareim v'yotzim yadei chovasan. Two reasons says the Shulchan Aruch that we do it now in shul in a fixed format. Number one is Yossi coming back to your point. They were more careful with their hands in those days. So the one option is they could have had their washing station right next to their bed, but also in general, they were more aware of themselves. So perhaps their hands were, were a little more clean. They could say this in a state in those days more than perhaps we could. That, you're right, you're right. So it does, take, it, does take, it, it does not hedge on that side of the, of the, of the possibilities, the Rosh the Rosh. Um, as we discussed a few weeks ago, you're right. Um, and the other possibility is simply because not everybody is able to do this. This is a very fascinating observation, is how do you regulate experience? It's a very hard thing to do. You want everybody. So Anshikin Nesodala wants people to be able to appreciate every morning, right? So what do you do about it? So we say, well, as you're experiencing this, do this. But not everybody knows how to say the right things at the right time. They're not going to remember it. And they don't have a brachos card. And nobody's printed out the, right? So how do you do it? So I said, no, no, no. What we'll do is, is, is that slowly tradition moved it to a more formalized setting where you don't have to remember everything. Now, what's lost? What's lost is the organic experience of it. What's, what's gained is the many people who would not be doing it if it weren't for that. Right? So there's a trade-off in values, and that's what the Shulchan has said, which is why you'll see some communities, and many communities today, will bring it back to the shul, and it's less experiential. And it becomes a humdrum, and it becomes just a monotonous, and, and, and we, we lose something with that. But at the same time, those who perhaps wouldn't have said it are gaining. And that's the, that's the value trade-off that the Shulchan is talking about over here. Interestingly enough, you may ask, you say, wait a second, but if that's true, then, okay, that may be a, a, a great value-added gain, but at the end of the day, then surely the bracha now in a certain sense is, is deflated. Because don't we know that brachas need to be as close to the activity and the experience itself? You can't just say, well, you know what? People aren't doing Nutella Sudaim these days, so we'll all do Nutella Sudaim, uh, not the, the morning one, but you know, like before meals. We'll all come to Shul to do Nutella Sudaim. You know, it's, it's, no, we're not going to do the brachas before eating. You know, around our meal, we'll do them. That doesn't work. You have to do it next to the activity. So how does it work over here? Says the Levush. No, this is a different category of bracha. There are three general rabbinic categories of bracha. One is a bracha called birkas anenin, before a person experiences something in the world. There's another bracha which is called a birkas mitzvah before I'm about to engage in a responsibility that, the, that God asked of me. Those are two categories. But then there's a third category which is birkas shevach v'hada. Shevach v'hada is where I'm responding to a, a, stimuli in the, a stimulus in the world around me and I'm in wonder. You know, so the, the most common one, what, what would you say the most common birkas shevach or hada that we, that we, we have is? What was that? 
So Rebbe, uh, uh, not, not as much. Uh, I, w I would like to. Lightning and thunder is, is probably pretty much a very common one because we have it. But you know, if you spend, if you're going to be visiting the Mediterranean Sea, or you see a mountain range in this. There's all kinds of. If you uh, if you're in Israel last week, perhaps for the funeral of Rucham Kanievsky, there's a whole discussion about Chachama Razim about large crowds. There's a, there's, there's a number of these birkas shevach in our lives, and the interesting thing about them is that we usually say the bracha after. The experience. There's a discussion as, a, as to in terms of common ones that perhaps even Havdana, the Birkas Haner, is potentially a Birkas Hashevach, right? Which is why that there are those who say, of course, that the bracha should be after. So after the experience, which is why you see some people put their fingers up before the end of the bracha because of the notion that it is a Birkas Hashevach. We're responding to something in the world. Okay, so in the same way, these are a Birkas HaShevach, um, says the Levush, his, his commentary on the Shulchan Aruch, and therefore a Birkas HaShevach can, it's, of course it should be related to the activity, but it's not as if the bracha is deflated by the fact that we're waiting a few minutes to get to Shul to be able to say them. Okay, so that's, uh, that, that's in terms of the halachic aspect of this. Now, let, let, now let's go a little bit further, further and try to appreciate each, in the, uh, each one in its own idiosyncrasy. Yeah, Tabi. So that means, for example, if you, if you get up and learn for a while, then... <laughs> Good question. So, generally speaking, if one has got to have a break and one's not just getting from from bed to car to shul, then one should one should say the the berakasasharacha earlier. It certainly is certainly is better. Certainly is better. Um, but if if the default is just getting to shul, that's when it's it's not not, not an issue. But what Levush is saying is that gap, that, that minimal gap is not not an issue. But yes, so if, if someone's going to learn for an hour first, yep. so you say yeah, you should say the berakasasharacha for sure, for sure. And it's not that you have to say them in shul. Right, so the tradition has been that's the, that's the catch or the catching the catch all point. But if one's going to have a break before, and one should for sure say them, and then one climbs a little closer to the original, uh, to the original, which is um, which is the way it was formulated. So let's let's start. So where you stop at the end of, after the after the Mavishen or the after after Hagomel Chasad into the Moishra. So now let's let let's go a little a little further, folks. First bracha is an unusual bracha. The first bracha is we start talking about roosters, roosters out of all things in the world. That becomes our, the starting point of our, our of our day. So the it, truth is that that may be a mistranslation. It happens to be there's a debate as to what the word sechvi means. Right, it's an unusual word. It doesn't really come up, come up with it. We don't use it in regular Hebrew that, that often. So what does it actually mean? So it is interesting that the, uh, the Rosh, Rabbeinu Asher, um, understands that it actually refers to the heart. That refers to our own consciousness. HaKadosh Baruch thank you for allowing us to notice the difference between light and day, sort of very basic um, differentiation. Whereas um, the Avodraham, Rashi understand it as the, co the cockerel, the rooster, which is noticing where me, that's a vicarious experience of that. What is interesting to say is let's take it as the, the more classic translation, which is Rashi and the Avodraham, that it's the rooster. It is a little bit of a strange way to start the day. I mean, like, you know, if you, if you want to talk about what, what's the thing we're thanking God for, let's just, let's just like, like sort of distill this for a second. What are we thanking God for? What was that? Uh, so it's a little sharper than that, right? Now. Differentiation. differentiation, the power to differentiate. Meaning, yes, day and night is day and night, but I, or this rooster, is able to differentiate between day and night. Right. So, so it is in a certain element of das of bina in this case. So, if that's the case, then like, if you want to sort of like talk about the paradigm of knowledge, right, of 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 differentiation, the rooster, you know, what I'm saying it's. It's not exactly up there on the totem pole of intelligent creatures, as it goes. You know, recently we went in, in SeaWorld. I mean, the dolphins are the most unbelievable creatures. Unbelievable. The whales, they, they, they clearly are mammals. They're not fish, right? They, they, they know what's going on. 
But the rooster, <laughs> the rooster, I mean, you put the rooster into the coop and it thinks it's not. You take it out. <laughs> They're on daylight cycles to lay more eggs. It's not exactly the most, you know, sophisticated creature. And then you want to talk about differentiation. So you say, ah, I'm going to give you, uh, we're going to thank you for knowledge. Knowledge between the very complicated distinction between dark and light. It's like, you know, there are other things to thank God about. You know, there could be, you know, you know, splitting the atom, how intermolecular forces work. There's a lot of other things we could be talking about day and night. And this poor rooster really, uh, you know, doesn't have so much, not, not running any doctoral theses. So it's interesting. So um, the, uh, the, the, this is actually the, the, the Alta Slobodka has had an observation on this point. And he says that, that that's the same thing. That if you remember when Rachel has her first child, Rachel has a first child in Parashas Vayetze, and, uh, sorry, yes, Vayetze, and, um, and she says that she calls this child Yosef. Two reasons she gives. One is, Asaf gathered in my, my shame. And so, so it, 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 could, it could be referring to the very painful and alone state of, of the, the struggle of infertility, which is actually, by the way, this week is a awareness Shabbos for infertility with Yesh Tikvam. Very important to be appreciative of this of this, which is a very difficult situation. So it could be referring to that, but Rashi says actually much simpler. Rashi says, she says, now I have somebody to blame. You know, somebody knocks over the ashtray, you know, the vase and like, you know, and, and, and beforehand it would be like, you know, everybody realized it was, I was just clumsy. But now I can say it was a little Yosef, right? As Rashi says, and you think to yourself, that, that's, that's, why, that's, why she, you know, that's why she wants a child? That sounds so trivial. The, the Alta Slobodka says, no, that's how we start off our lives and our day is by appreciating even the smallest and most inconsequential of things and we build up afterwards. I Meaning we don't start with appreciating, you know, the, 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 the Torah of the Tshuvas of Rebbe Kiva Ega. HaKosh Baruch you gave Bina, you gave Rebbe Kiva Ega the ability to... That, that's, that's the end of the game. Let's start at the very beginning. Simplest creature, simplest distinction. Let's start now. Somebody said to me the following thing, and I think it's really worthwhile perhaps for us to do to our for, with our families, is if you look at the Dayenu, right? Let's, let's try with our, with our families, let's put, make a family project and say, let's, let's write our own Dayenu, 15 steps of why we're thankful for this Pesach. And each of them, the necessary steps, that this happened, this happened, this person's here, this. Think about all the necessary steps, not just thank you God for Pesach, thank you God, it's great to be together, I'm so gra uh, grateful the end of the meal is a throw, throwaway. Tell me in, in, in precise terms, to, to write down what are we thankful, what steps ne are necessary to be here right now. Can we write our own Dayenus? And that's what's starting over here. The 15 steps in the morning every morning. We start off the most basic. And that's what the, the Sabbath Slobodka says in terms of appreciating this. We take it one step further. Rav Hirsch actually says, uh, points out in, in his commentary on the Siddur again, there's just so many beautiful commentaries out here, but it's worthwhile appreciating some of them. He says that when we first awakened, our thoughts were immediately directed upon our own body and its wondrous construction and upon our soul and its divine purity and purpose. We were impelled to renew our pledge of loyalty, which is Baruch to Hashem. So he views Baruch as not just blessing and God, you're wonderful, but rather <laughs> I'm indebted to you. Here we are given a number of special factors which also present themselves to us now that we are fully awake and which summon us once more to renew our promise as indicated in the term Baruch. First, we contemplate the distinction between day and night through which the Creator has divided all of life here below into two distinct halves wanting to be devoted to the regeneration of our strength and the other to the active service of God with all the other things to, 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 to we do each day. That, is that interesting? So just think about that for, so for a second. That means to say that we're essentially saying, I'm now, so to speak, checking in. I'm putting the card in the machine, 
now because now I've finished the regeneration part of, part of, the, of, of my cycle and now I'm in the active part. Now I'm on. Now responsibility is taken on. That's what I'm saying by saying that bracha at the beginning because now everything onwards now is I'm actually being employed. My time is, is, is being considered. Yes. Rabbi, so why would we use the word lasechbi, which is heart, they're saying. Heart is an emotional. Why would mm -hmm. they say your brain? Good question. So maybe it would really, it, why would it say heart? That's a good question. I, I thought about the same question. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Uh, the only, only possibility, because I was, I was thinking about the same thing you were just mentioning, is why the heart, not, not the brain. Now, technically speaking, the brain does all the computing, but the heart is generally seen as uh, the symbolic play seat of emotion. So we don't really get things when we just think about things. It seems that unless it actually filters down into our emotional awareness, that's, that's only, but it's still it's a better question than an answer, you know. What, what, what's what's, what's that, Why yeah. is it dependent then on finding of this? Oh, good question. Yeah, it should be David. You're right. You're right. So it might be the more active part of the day. That's a good question on this bracha. It's a good question. I was thinking yeah. perhaps you can bridge both definitions, heart and the rooster, because the rooster is obviously instinctive as opposed to cognitive. Just Interesting. Right, emotional is more cognitive, is more yes, visceral than it is. Excellent, excellent. Reptilian brain. Th uh, the, Dr. Dr. Yeager, thank you. There we go from a psychological perspective. Ex excellent perspective. That's the, mo the most, we'll call it visceral starting point yes, of the day. Well, before. Definition. Excellent, that's why it comes before the cognition, right. which is later on. Excellent. Fantastic. There is a very curious comment made by Rav Cook on this topic, and again, this is a very profound Rav Cookian insight. It's such a profound insight, and I don't think we will fully appreciate the magnitude of the statement, but I just want you to be aware, <laughs> as we learn this, to appreciate how significant this is on a we'll call, it, uh, we'll call panantheist perspective, like the whole world is one. So he points out, this is in his, his book called Orot, Lights, in the 70th page, he says, we all know that we know that all of existence and its life forms are one unit, man and the rooster who crows at dawn, possessing a natural understanding to differentiate between day and night, are truly one creation. A single spirit unites the soul of man and the soul of all living beings in ways both revealed and occult. Whenever a man is uplifted, all creations are thereby uplifted. This universal vision is revealed to us by the relation of this particular creature, the rooster, calling to awaken a slumbering, which means to say, just <laughs> such a, you, have to sort of, you have to sort of pick yourself up after that because it's such a powerful thought. It's sort of this universal view of life energy, right, where there's this connection, and that perhaps is actually bridging both those interpretations of the heart and the rooster. Is, is this this unifying now he was able to see the world in those terms we're we're living very much granular terms but that's that was part of the general vision of the world that Rav Cook was able to see which is just a very profound perspective now we move into the three brachas which Nachman pointed out that we missed okay so the Gomorrah itself this was in the Gomorrah in brachas but the next three brachas are not that Gomorrah in brachas so where do they come from which are the Shaloi 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 the three no's so it turns out they are found in other Gomorrahs. So, for instance, it's said more enigmatically in the Gomorrah Menachos on Daf Mem Gimel Beis. Tanya Hayarebi Meir Oimer Chayav Adam Levarich Shalosh Brachos Bechol Yom. A person is responsible to say three blessings per day, and they are Shalasani Yisrael, Shalasani Isha, Shalasani Bur. So, a person is that that, that a person was made to be a Yisrael, a, a Israelite. That a person is, was not, and this is referring to, of course, on the male side, they're not made to be a woman. And Loyasani Bur in Aramis um, is the way the Gemara says over here. The Yerushalmi has it in a little more, a little more, uh, more specific. Um, and that is where, where we have the, uh, already the formulation that we have. Shalasani Goy, Shalasani Avad, Shalasani Isha, which are the three Shalais. So the first thing one has to ask is, is why is it in the negative? Right, meaning to say, 
Let's just, let's just be positive. Let's start the day on a positive note. Right? God, thank you for making me Israelite. Thank you for making me a free person. Thank you for making me a man or a woman. Right? So let, let's, just, let's just start on a positive note. Why is it that this is framed negatively? So there are a number of answers which are given. One answer is, is that if you were to say it in the positive way, then essentially you, you would be saying that I should be here. My creation is validated, um, which is a big statement. Which is a big statement. Why is that a big statement? Because this was a matter of debate. The Gomorrah and Eruven Daf Yugimel Mabez tells us a debate that was had between the house, the Yeshiva of, she, uh, of, of Shammai and the Yeshiva of um, Hillel, as to whether or not a person warranted creation or not. Were we worthy of life? And the Gemara says it was a matter of debate, and what, what the debate was, was what was the Noach Ladam Shonivra, Noach Ladam Shalonivra, is it worth it? If you think of what the Gemara could be understood to mean, is, is that if you take a, a, you know, a, a balance sheet and you say all the risks necessary and involved in making human beings, and all the benefits, there are incredible benefits. Human beings have done tremendous things to the world, but look what they're doing as well. <laughs> look, at these, look at these crazy human beings murdering other people. I mean, has there ever been a decade without a war in the world? It's unbelievable, right? So if you just do a quick risk-benefit analysis, the Gomorrah, the Gomorrah says maybe not. And the Gomorrah says the, they voted and they said, no, shall I live right? <laughs> Perhaps it was, it was, the, the amount of damage created is more than perhaps the amount of goodness created as well, um, is the way that the Gomorrah seems to in, 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 indicate. And then the Gomorrah says, Akshashinivra, okay, we're here. Right, so your fashbish master person should try to do the very best they can with the with the, the, the line of life they've been given. But so what some of the, the Mephoshim suggest is that a person does not say, Show Sunny Israel, God, thank you for making me and being here. It's like, no, we'll be a little more timid. Well, you know, what? I, I think I think I think I'm worthy of creation. No, I'm gonna thank you, Hashem, for the benefits of, of the of the my form of creation, which is one of the one of the reasons it's put uh, together as well. So why are these three brachas different than any other bracha? Why did you say the other negative, the other twelve? No, you're right. So these these are more intrinsic. These are about uh, these are actually about uh, we'll call it intrinsic existence as opposed to we'll call it function. So for instance, eyes opening is not about existence. It's about now that I'm existent, thank you for giving me these functions. My back works. My legs work. I, I have clothes. Those are all, so to speak, once I'm already in the game. These are actually more about inherently who I am. Right? Am I a man? Am I a woman? Am I a slave? Am I, am I a free person? Am I Israel? Right? So these are more inherent. And so in that case, we're a little more timid when it comes to describe, just, uh, just sort, of, sort of proclaiming as if. So a um, few questions that come up over here. Now, the Shaloya Sani Goy, the Shaloya that a person is not made to be a non-Jew. By the way, in the Tanakh parlance, the word Goy usually refers to? Israel, actually. Just interesting. So it's interesting that the terminology later on. Tried, uh, moved away, and uh, and uh, Goy sometimes is is used in a pejorative sense, but it it refers to a non-Jewish person. So the question is, is what about a person who is a convert, who is a convert to Judaism? There are many some of the most wonderful people who have who have graced our nation, including the mother of of all uh, of all uh, of kings, Rusa Moavia. They they they're just the most remarkable people who joined our nation. So do they say Shaloi or Sunny Goy? Because here's the funny thing, is that the Osani is created me as. So what do you, so what, what do they say in this case? So Shulchanot debates this in source 11. Sorich levarich b'chol yom shiloi osani goi, shiloi osani avid, shiloi osani isha. And the Ramos says, Afilo ger yachol levarich kain. 
He quotes the, the uh, I don't know who this is, Dalit Ayin, who says that one can, can say this. Aval, lo yomar goy, goy mitchila. So the, the Avodraham is a little more reticent to say that Asani, the created me in that in that way because of uh, because of the, because of this. Uh, so this happens to be a little bit of a debate. The Morgan Aram says a very fascinating insight into the nature of these brachas, which may actually shift the way we understand them. He he, he quotes this debate, and at the end of his debate, um, he he notes the following Kabbalistic insight, and he says, and source twelve is the end of his is there's really the end of a, a larger paragraph. The Kabbalists suggest Perhaps this is not a bracha which refers to my initial creation at the beginning of when I was born, but it refers to my recreation on a daily basis. And so what a person is essentially saying is, thank you for allowing the posterity of the return of my soul, that it's intact and it did not have any, so to speak, exposures in its, in its nightly travels, as we know that the soul is less tethered to the body at night. Thank you for allowing it to be returned and it was not affected by other spiritual entities, at least in these two first of the two of the brachas, right? And therefore that would therefore have nothing to do with whether a ger or a should or should not be able to say it. As an interesting observation, this is, again, this is Morgan Avram, this is uh, but he's, he, he, on a Kabbalist level. Jonathan, yes. Good, yes, exactly. So coming back to, to Nachman's point earlier on, this will talk about, this is not about, so to speak, I was created as such, but this is rather, I'm recreated as such, which is why it's a daily requirement. This is not expansion on Sunny Isha, as you know, it's yes. Good question. That's a good question. That's a good question. So, the blind person, where there is a discussion, he would, because in that situation, a person who, even though, God forbid, is suffering with the eyesight um, um, challenges, does depend on other people who do have sight. So, there's, a, there's an element of. They, they seem to be very much focused on the individual, which is why they, they are in general, but there are, there are many benefits to, to, this, to, to this which are perhaps beyond the individual. It's a good question. That's a good question. That's a good question. I think also one still would, whether it's aspirational, or whether there's still other aspects of being able to appreciate things. So, you can answer it. If you take the Sani, you were literally, and originally he was not created in heaven, just transiently, he was six years. Right. So that's a very, that's a very beautiful thing. Yeah, that's not a daily. That's true. That's true. There's there's a lot to think about in this. There are many circumstances. You're right. We can construct a life where a person may be challenged on many of these different th- different uh, uh, different sides. Although today, thank God, in the 21st century, we generally speaking, we are a lot further along the trajectory. Um, the, the, yes, yes. So that's part of the reason for this, for sure, for sure. A hundred percent, and then and then that neshama had it just took a little bit of a detour in terms of what it was necessary to bring back to Klali. So there's this, so what to talk about? Very beautiful points, Rabbi Yossi. Oh, so Bikuri is different. I just want to point out the difference between Bikurim. So what Tebi's answer asking is, is when when a person comes to the base of Megdash and presents the Bikurim and gives this long historical thing about my parents and Egypt and, and the whole thing. And so there's a discussion in Mikra Bikurim whether a person uh, who is a convert to Judaism should be able to say that or not. Or even if you want to be even more simple, in the Shemon Ezra, Lakeinu, Velakeinu, Right, the God of our fathers. So the same question comes up in that. The, the, actually, this was a uh, question was asked by an individual whose name was Ovadia Hager. 
He was a person by the name of Avadia who was a convert to Judaism who sent a letter to none other than the Rambam 800 years ago. And he asked this question about the Bikurim and about the Shemona Esrei. The Rambam says, remarkably, he says, of course they say a person who converts to Judaism says that. Because you know what? Who is a better example of a child of Abraham than a person who decides to discover God? Of course, Avraham is, is, their, is, their, is their father because that's what they did. This bracha is a little more complex because it's not about our parenthood, but it's about our creation. That's why this is more of a debate here, just to appreciate the difference here. But nonetheless, now, the bracha about the, the, the woman, right? So, so women, men, over here, two brachas. Um, the Sheosani Kirtzanai is, the, is the, the woman's side of it that, that does not appear in the Shulchan Aruch. The Torah mentions this, some, some are reticent because it does not appear in the Gemara. Um, where, where does this come from? So I, I, I'm not going to... I'm not going to, 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 to be euphemistic and, and pretend that there are not those who say that there, that there is a hierarchy here. So I just want to point out that there are those who say there's a hierarchy. And this bracha is, and I, I apologize, but I, 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 just for the sake of appreciating the, the, the full gamut, is there are those who say this is a bracha of tzidok hadin. Tzidok hadin means to say um, ratification of justice, which means to say that it would be better to be a man but then, uh, but in, in a circumstance where one's not a man, one would say tzedakah. I just want to point that out. That is a, a, a view which is, which is held. Now, that could be not about a hierarchy in terms of who's better, but in terms of responsibility. We'll come back to that in a moment. But on the opposite end of the spectrum, the Sheosani Kirtzonai is worthwhile noting. He has an interesting point. Sheosani Kirtzonai actually may go back to a very fascinating debate which was had in the creation process of the human being. And that is, if you remember, there's the, there, is, there are two versions of how the human being was created. Was the human being created back to back as one entity and split off? Or was the human being one unit and a part of that unit was taken and the construction of the female was created from the tzela? That's, that's Genesis 1 versus Genesis 2. Now, um, if, you, if, you, if you remember the, 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 the Gemara and the Midrashim discuss that really technically speaking, Kaj Baruch Hu wanted to create the, um, a, a woman at, um, at, the, at the beginning, but then he had to consult with the Malachim and then Nase Adam, do we make a human being? So in a certain sense, there was a little bit of bureaucracy, so to speak, if you think about it, the Havdil, um, at the beginning. Was, uh, there was uh, this consultation process. For whatever reason, Hashem chose to lower his, uh, uh, himself to ask those, the, the, the Malachim. But when it came to the creation of the, of, the, of the woman, there was no consultation process. Which means that the woman's creation was closer to Kirtzonoi than the man's creation. Because the man required consultation and the woman did not require consultation. Just to appreciate that. Which means that the woman is one step closer to Hashem's initial plan than the secondary plan. Just to appreciate the, the, this. So this is the opposite end of this. The idea of tzedakah, which means to say that it in fact is uh, is 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 a high a loftier calling, which is expressed in Rav Hirsch's explanation on the on the sitter, where he says this is not a prayer of thanks that God did not make us heathen slaves or women, rather it calls upon us to contemplate the tasks which God has imposed upon us by making us free Jewish men and to pledge ourselves to do justice to this mission. These three aspects of our own status impose upon us duties much more comprehensive than those required of the rest of mankind, and if our and if our women have a smaller number of mitzvahs to fulfill than men. They know that the, the, the tasks which they must discharge as free Jewish women are no less in accordance with the will and desire of God than those of their brothers. So the Rav Hirsch is essentially saying this is not about, you know, better or worse. This is about levels of responsibility. 
And so the, those brachas are ratcheting up the levels of responsibility. And so essentially at the end, when a person has said, I'm not a non-Jew, I'm not a, a, a slave, and I'm not a woman, they're essentially saying, I've got the fullest le- level of responsibilities. And that's what a person is, re- is responding to, where a woman gets the first two, but there's less of a responsibility in terms of the 613. The way Rav Schwab explains, and this is to be found in the Siddur Avodat Lev, which is the RCA's most recent Siddur, which came out just a few years ago, um, Rabbi, um, um, Rabbi Basil Herring. Um, from here was one of the editors um, of, of this of the city, very beautiful city, quotes from Shimon Schwab, who says, who has made me according to his will, this is the Shasani Kirtzanai, some authorities see this bracha as an affirmation of the unique spiritual sensibilities of women, often more attuned to Ratzon Hashem, the will of God. As such, when compared to her male counterpart, she is less in need of the constant discipline of mitzvahs in pursuit of a life of genuine sanctity and closeness of God. So men need to kind of be beaten into shape every day. Right, they, they need to have a little more rigorous uh, of a schedule to, to end up at the right, the right, right end of the product line. But um, when it comes to women, there's a little less of that that's expressed in the responsibilities of the mitzvah. So just a, a lot of different perspectives to contemplate when it comes to, to this, particular, this particular bracha, which of course is one which, which requires a lot of thinking and appreciation on both sides of the aisle. Um, now, um, the, the, there was a bracha, so... Uh, um, Nobi just mentioned beforehand that one of the brachas that's omitted from the Gomorrah is the bracha of Anosein Layoef Koyak, giving strength to the one who is tired, and we are all tired when we wake up in the morning. So why is it that the Gomorrah does not mention that? Um, the Gomorrah, so the Shulchan Aruch actually debates whether we should say it because of that. Should we actually be saying this bracha? So the Shulchan Aruch in Source 17 says, Yesh no agim levorecha Anosein Layoef Koyak ve'ein devireyem nirin. Shulchan Aruch says already 500 years ago, he's saying, it's not, not, not a worthy minag, right? There are those who say it, we shouldn't say it. It's not part of the, not part of the liturgy, if I was printing a sitter, says Rav Yosef Kara. However, the Haggad Ramah says, Ach minag pashut Ashkenazim la'amra. Ab, do, uh, is it in your liturgy? Yeah. It is. Okay, so Temanim do have it. But it is interesting that, uh, um, that, that there is a debate around this. Where does it come from particularly? So the, the Baruch Shamar, this is Rav, uh, Rav Baruch Alevi Epstein, points out, he says, Ein mavuar inyan brachazu. We don't know where this comes from. It's not necessarily related to the rest of the experience of the, of the morning wake-up. When should this be said? At the end of the day, you get home, you've just got off the train, it's been a crazy day in the office, and you say, Hashem, give me a little bit of extra energy, a second wind, to be able to appreciate the rest of the day. That's when you should be saying the bracha. Right? So he says, Maybe this is not a bracha about appreciation, but it's a supplication. It's a request. What's the request? Hashem, allow me to have the strength to get... I looked at the schedule already. It's double booked all the way through. How am I going to do this? Hashem, please. As we say in Tehillim Kufdalad, what's that called usually? Tehillim Kufdalad is? We call that We know that this is our, our yoke. We know this is our responsibility. We're going to go out there. Hashem, I'm exhausted even thinking about the day. I'm exhausted thinking about the schedule. I just saw the news feed even though I shouldn't really before. And I know that it's going to be a, a traumatic day. Hashem, please give me the, the, the wherewithal. So this is actually a later bracha which is put up here based on this Tehillim over here in, uh, in, uh, in Baruch Hinafshi, and it's, and it's about the rest of the day. Finally, we end off with this beautiful blessing supplication, which too often gets missed because we're in a rush, but it's a very beautiful, it's a matching the Hamapiel Bracha, the end of the night, this is now the Bracha, which has similar language, um, which is, as you look at source 19, the ta- Sefer Tami Me'anhagim, he says, Tam Adam, we say after the Gomel Chasidim Tovim, then we say, Le'olam Adam, 
that, that, that's the next sort of phraseology as we move to like, Makadosh Yishim Chabarabim. He says, The last bracha here really is blessing Hashem to sanctify him in public. This bracha is to echo the many, many times and places in Jewish history where we were not allowed to pray, where we were forbidden to, 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 to express gratitude to Hashem. And we give acknowledgement to that by saying, Hashem, there's been times in history where we've had to always be an Adam. We've always had to act like they're a responsible human being, even Beseser. And now that we have the ability to do it, thank you, Hashem, for allowing me to be able to do this. I can walk into a shul and nobody's stopping me from worshipping. The freedom of worship, what an amazing uh, experience. We take it for granted. This is um, the, the, the places that we live today. Kolomar, hashmad. Even though the decree may have disappeared now, I'm able to serve and worship God in public, although it's becoming more and more difficult as a Jew these days. And it's that, that also refers to the fact that I should make sure that the inside of me reflects the outside of me and vice versa. That what I speak about outside in the street is reflecting my ideas and my aspirations when I come to Shul. Finally, one last comment. Rasax Max, he quotes the... Um, the uh, uh, Rabbi Nachman of Breslov, of course, also another good Ukrainian um, um, Jew, um, who says, when thinking about the Berkos Shacha, this is perhaps is to close it all off, he says, their purpose, the purpose of all these brachas, is to make us conscious of what we might otherwise take for granted. Praise is an act of focused attention, foregrounding what is usually in the background of awareness. Is that a beautiful statement? Foregrounding that which is in the background of awareness. The world is full of light of God, but to see it, we must op learn to open our eyes. And that's what we do every morning, is that the Torah is trying to train us. And yes, many mornings we may just glide through, and you know, many mornings we may miss here and there, but the Torah is trying to train us. What Sheikh Nezadullah was trying to make us take the subconscious awareness in our, in our lives and be aware of how much good there is in our lives on a daily basis. How could the day go badly? with a person really meant what they said in the morning? How could a person lead an ethically incorrect day if they read what Hashem does for us, as Rasul Ajay points out? That's the Birkas HaShachar. This is, this is one of the most profound moments of starting of the day. Bezra Hashem, we should be able to have more focus and appreciate it in its full context. Yes.